When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me as always is my good friend and the beat writer over at DK Pittsburgh Sports for all of Pitt Athletics, Corey Crisson. You're finally able to spread your wings a little bit, brother. No, not just basketball 24-7. Now you're, you're able to start dealing with football again and Despite all that, we're still going to start with basketball, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. It's a, it's good to be back. We're testing a new microphone today on this end, so it's going to go either really good or really bad on my end. Uh, happy WrestleMania week to those who celebrate Friday and Saturday. It's coming up. The big show, the showcase of Immortals. It's always great. I love, I love watching WrestleMania. I'm a big wrestling fan and um, definitely going to throw down for that next uh, Saturday and Sunday two-night event. But uh, yeah, we're starting with the NCAA tournament. Obviously, Pitt is out, but this has been like historic in so many different ways, Gary. And with the Elite Eight, we're recording this, um, you know, on Saturday, and the Elite Eight is still to be played. We're going to have a Final Four by the time this show wraps up. But wow, what a tournament it has really been! And for the first time ever, no one seeds in this Elite Eight. Insane, absolutely insane. I mean. The people that win the, the office pulls this year are definitely going to be the ones that pick the pretty color uniforms or the neat looking mascots. And, and, and I, you know, part of me loves that because, and also, man, this is confirmation for me. Sorry, any sponsors I'm not aware of. This is confirmation for me. Do not bet on sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just never know. Anybody that says anybody that says they've been a winner in the NCAA tournament is lying. Anybody that says yeah. they've cashed out on the NCAA tournament is lying. The coolest thing about this whole thing, Gary, one of San Diego State, Creighton, Florida Atlantic, or Kansas State is guaranteed to be playing for a national championship. And on the other side of the bracket, UConn, Gonzaga, Miami, Texas. Like one side is the power programs with UConn, Gonzaga, Miami, Texas. The other side is like Kansas State has been really good all year. I don't want to put them down, but Florida Atlantic, the winningest program in college basketball this season. And then a five and a six seed, San Diego State and Creighton. I mean, you can't get any better than the NCAA tournament. You can't get any better than just the parity of the two sides where you have one side of Maybe some unexpected, maybe some unknowns. Of course, no one or two seeds. And then the other side, you got the two seeds, you got the power programs, you got the big names in there. Yeah, it's the diversity is nice. I'm enjoying it. It's fun. And as you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Pitt. It's not obviously Pitt is not in every conversation for every national title when it comes to these big sports like basketball and football. They've done well. They've definitely turned the programs around and they're in the conversation, but they're not expected to be in those conversations. So when you get to a tournament like this and teams like Creighton are in the lead eight and you know, it's, it's hopeful to me. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel like, Hey, why not pit? 
Why couldn't they do it? Then I think to myself, well, man, everything right now is so shaded by these five and six year seniors. Like FAU's roster is older than the Bobcats, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I don't know how you judge it. Really. It seems like, like the older rosters really made hay. Including that. Well, that is why when Pitt played Xavier, I know on paper it might have looked like a mismatch, and obviously we saw that it was a mismatch. But that is why there was removed reasonable doubt that Pitt could beat Xavier. There was a thought that Pitt could beat Xavier based on that fact. It was such a deep field this year. I mean, Princeton made a run to the Sweet 16 for crying out loud. We saw, obviously, Fairleigh Dickinson beat Purdue. The, the one seeds, like Alabama with, with all of their stuff aside, right, with, with Miller and Oates and what they've yeah, done right. and said, all of that stuff aside, really damn good college basketball team. But, I mean, did you see that San Diego – I mean, San Diego State beat them by seven. Like, yeah. they, they put a sizable win on them. Houston, who we both on this podcast two weeks ago said, that's the best team we've seen in college basketball year. Miami took them to the woodshed, 14 points. That win in the Sweet 16. And this is the time, by the way, I know, you know, Pitt fans listening to this might not want to hear this, but, you know, credit words do. And it's true. Jim Laranaga deserves his flowers. George Mason, obviously, he took to that final four, you know, about a decade ago, a decade and a half ago. He's taken Miami now to two straight elite eights. Miami won the regular season ACC championship. This program needs to be talked about as one of the best programs in college basketball. It just does with the, with, you know, Isaiah Wong, obviously ACC player of the year. They have shooters. They have Wuga Poplar. They have, you know, Nigel Pack. You got Norchad. I mean, the depth they have is tremendous. And the fact that Pitt was able to beat them once in the comeback fashion they did. And then the second time it came down to the final shot, obviously the last regular season game of the year, that just shows more of the parody that's in college basketball. And then within the rest of the ACC, I mean, when you're, when you're going on these tournament runs, obviously some teams are more equipped to make these runs than others, right? We see it yeah. every year. We see it every year. And you're seeing that right now with this Miami team led by Jim Laranega. But it just goes to show that like Pitt kept it close with Miami. They won one of them. They lost one of them. And Miami just knocked off the team that you and I both just said objectively was the best in college basketball all year. So I love how deep this field is becoming, and you talked about transfer portal and how that's affecting it. It is just raising the bar on these programs. You know, the field of 68 has never been deeper. There were probably a dozen teams into this tournament that we could have confidently said they can win it all. When you really think back and look at it, I mean, UConn Gonzaga, we're recording this before their elite eight, the elite eight games like UConn Gonzaga is such a delicious matchup. And to think that Gonzaga had to do it again against UCLA in the Sweet 16 to come back and win like that. I mean, just an unbelievable tournament this has been, and I can't wait to see what the Final Four looks like. Yeah, it's it's been crazy, and, and every game has really been pretty competitive. Uh, there's been a couple blowouts, but for the most part, these have all been down to the last five minutes. The, the outcome was still in question, and you can't ask for more than that in the tournament. It's been a very satisfying March Madness, you know, and and to be completely clear of COVID and just have everything kind of just go wackadoo makes total sense, doesn't it? I mean, like you wanted you wanted real madness. I think we got it. 
I think we absolutely got it in its highest form. It started, you know, Pitt Mississippi State was as madness as it get. Jamarius Burton making that shot with 10 seconds to play. And then like some of these the games changing have like been what, 19 times or something. A, yeah, a lot, a lot. But like the wow factor in some of these just the sweet 16 games again, San Diego State beats Alabama by seven. Miami blows the doors off of Houston. You you got Princeton in there. You know, Texas putting a pounding on Xavier, which probably shows what might have happened against Pitt. So maybe a blessing in disguise in that way. But FAU wins by, you know, seven over Tennessee. UConn blows out Arkansas and Eric Musselman, who took down Kansas the round prior. Gonzaga UCLA was another classic. Kansas State overcoming Tom Izzo, Michigan State. I mean, the storylines, the headlines, the madness, it's all been tremendous this March, and we've really been lucky with this 23 NCAA tournament. That's great, man. Let's take a quick break. We come back. Let's talk a little spring ball because everybody loves football in shorts. All right, and welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey and Gary with you, and spring is in the air, man. Spring is in the air, and football in shorts is going on. What have you seen down there at Pitt Spring Practice? One week down on the south side, and today as we record this on Saturday, Pitt is going through their first spring scrimmage. They went over to Acrisure Stadium and, you know, did what they do. Close scrimmage, obviously. And the two things that have stood out to me so far, I paid close attention to the offensive line this week because let's be frank over the last two, three years, it has been Carter Warren, Marcus Miner, Owen Drexel, Jake Cradle, Gabe Hoy. We've known this across the line from left to right. Four of those five guys are not there anymore. Carter, Carter Warren, rather, Marcus Miner, Owen Drexel, Gabe Hoy, all since moved on. And we'll, we'll transition over into the uh, upcoming Pitt Pro Day here throughout the show. But that was the biggest point of intrigue to me because if you remember last season, Warren got hurt early. Hoy had nagging injuries all year. Owen Drexel got hurt early. So that really forced Dave Borbley and Pat Narduzzi's hands to reconfigure, readjust the O-line. And despite those three major injuries, Israel Abanacan has still led the ACC in rushing. So, like, they didn't really miss a step in that regard of run blocking. But now, Branson Taylor at left tackle. I think Ryan Bear has a shot at left guard. And I think they like him at left guard. That's a big boy to put inside. Yeah. Alongside Jake Cradle at center. You're going to have Blake Zubovic playing right guard. And then Mack and Salvis. By the way, like underrated stat here, he was third team all ACC last year, was Matt Gonsalves at right tackle. So Pitt's offensive line, and I wrote about it this week, like even though there are four essentially, like from last year's week one starters to this year's week one starters, essentially four replacements coming in, they're not really going to miss much of a beat. 
they're still bringing experience and they're still bringing a certain level of depth. When you think about Jason Collier to back up, you know, at guard and some tackle, you got Terrence Enos backing up at guard. You got Terrence Moore backing up at uh, center. So like, even though there are new pieces, like what's new is still, is still the same. Like it's weird how they've been able to do this over the last four or five years with this offensive line. And the profile of it is really similar to all really good run blockers. And you think this offense this year under Phil and, you know, with, with getting day day Reynolds and having Kanate Mumfield and Bub means in year two in this and Gavin Bartholomew, we hope gets targets this year. Um, <laughs> you would think that it would be a little more pass happy. I'm not going to say they're going to sling the ball all over the field, but I think there could be a lot more balance in this offense. And the fact that there are so many returning linemen coming back, I think is going to be so crucial to the development of Dracovic as the season goes. And then number two, real quick, was, and I'm writing on him today, is Javon McIntyre at safety. You know, when you have Brandon Hill and Eric Hallett moving on to the NFL, and you've had a lot of success over the last five years developing defensive backs. Javon McIntyre, Donovan McMillan are taking over as this team's safeties this year. And McMillan, if you, or uh, excuse me, McIntyre, if you remember at the end of last year, had the interception in the Miami game, had the big play in the Sun Bowl as well. Yeah. So, you know, having a guy like that, young, developed, former three-star, we know how Pat Narduzzi loves his three-stars and how he develops all these defenders, like I'm not saying low end three stars, but like middling three stars. And he turns these guys into bona fide, just NFL ready players. And much can be said about the defensive backfield over the last handful of years. I think McMillan and McIntyre for that matter, and particularly McIntyre has a really good shot at just developing into a really special player. And this is kind of his time now. So those were the two things I looked for here in this first week of spring practice. Well, it's not the Ramon Foster show. So line play isn't going to get as much on this one as, uh, as it tends to over there. How does Phil Djokovic look? I mean, I think everybody is probably in general, pretty happy that he has decided to come back home for his you know, super senior year or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But what, how does he look? I mean, does he, does he look like he, he's got a good, um, good arm? Does he look like he's moving well? He's, he's had so many injuries over the years that you, you don't know if he's the same player he was we watched in high school. I think he's looked good, but I don't think he's, pressing quite yet and pressing might be a harsh word for it. But what I mean by that is kind of going balls to the wall on everything. You know, we're, we're in week one of spring practice, week two, excuse me, a spring practice. I'm in week one. They're in week two of spring practice. They're just getting to their first scrimmage. You know, I don't think um, Phil is necessarily going to turn on the jets until maybe the final week or two is spring ball before the spring game. And then obviously you have a summer period of workouts before fall camp. But the one quarterback that I was kind of intrigued to watch among the three between Phil and Christian Veyer and Nate Yarnell was Nate Yarnell. Because in my mind, Phil's the one, Christian's the two, and Nate's the three. And like 
what we saw from Nate last year, obviously against Western Michigan, he got to play a, a snap in the Sun Bowl. I guess you could throw that in there as well. But we know how much Pat Narduzzi and Frank Signetti like Nate Yarnell as a quarterback. And my fear, and that's a strong word, fear is that could Nate Yarnell get pushed out? Just based on the simple fact that Phil, it's his team this year. Christian's right there waiting in the rings. And then Ty Diefenbach is a true freshman. Like, where does Nate Yarnell fit into this whole equation? And I watched some throws from Nate Yarnell this week, and I was impressed. I was impressed with Nate Yarnell. And not to say that Phil or Christian were not impressive. That's not what this is, what I mean by this. What I mean by this is, I saw Nate Yarnell throw some some heat, some fastballs. Yeah, I saw him zip some stuff in. You know, a couple of, of slant routes, couple of you know posts, couple of crosses, and I saw him just put some absolute fire on these. So I'm curious to know by the end of the spring process on one of the like many things on my spring ball checklist is where do these quarterbacks slot after spring camp? And to me, again, I feel like Nate is kind of the odd man out, but I want to see how Narduzzi and Signetti treat it with that position. Yeah, again, a guy with Dracovic's history, uh, you, you, you want a backup that can play. Mm-hmm. So it might be more important even to have that third stringer be somebody that, that you really feel could step in. So not a bad thing to have a deep room there. But, Corey, you're right. We should talk a little bit about Pro Day because that's what people are going to be really focused on very shortly here. And um, we should take a quick break before we do that. Let's let's take a quick break, come back, and talk a little bit about Pitt's Pro Day this Wednesday. And welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. It's time to talk Pro Day. Uh, Everybody has been doing mock drafts religiously, Corey. I mean, some people have done 40 or 50 of them so they can claim they were right come hell or high water. It's like brackets. Absolutely. Sheet of integrity. Absolutely. I think my you, bracket, yeah, my you like it. You were the, the first person to like my tweet that said that the other day, comparing the two, because yeah. There are so many of these people, they do, they do 40, 50 of these mock drafts and then come draft time, they'll have one thing right. And they'll be like, see, I told you. And I'm like, no, you don't get to do that. <laughs> you yeah, don't get I, to do that. Here's the thing with mock drafts, though. The difference between that is because like news happens and things happen. So the mock draft 3.0, like will adjust to saying, you know, who's the kid from Georgia off the top of my head, Carter, Yeah. like what happened with him? You know, I get it. But sheet of integrity, my bracket stunk, by the way, to those that like saw the story that Corey Geiger and I wrote and then like based their March Madness picks off of it. I am terribly sorry. <laughs> Anybody that bases them off of anything. I'm sorry. I mean, like <laughs> it, it's all guesswork in a white coat. So Pitt has 13 guys that are going to be putting on display at the uh, Pitt Pro Day. You know, it's big names. Is he glad you can't see? Spassier, Haba. I mean, like, it's it's a who's who. We all know the names. 
what are you most excited about seeing and are you hearing anything about who's interested or who's showing up because we know the Steelers are going to be there uh, they better be that's a that's a <laughs> cheap trip to take if you're the Steelers um the obvious components of this are Kalijah Kansi and what teams are there to specifically watch him because with these mock drafts again, he's been mocked anywhere from 10 Mel Kuyper ESPN to the Steelers at 17 to the end of the first round to out of the, like he's been probably the rangiest prospect in all these mock drafts. And of course, a lot of us have there. I call it recency bias when it comes to the combine and, well, he's undersized too. Like, if you just want to talk about Cansey for a minute, he's undersized. Sure. So, in 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 mock drafts, you're going to have some people that see past that. You got some people making the Aaron Donald comparison, and and they've just decided that's what's going to happen with him. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> you right. know, so he moves up the board and everything. I don't know. I, I don't know where he's going to go, but I could see it anywhere in the first or second round, even the third, I could see him slipping to if, if things fell right. Mm, I don't know about that far. Well, you never know. You never yeah, know. For I don't real. know about it, that far. It could be anything like that. It, just a matter of teams that actually need a defensive tackle. You know, you might see that move. People that don't think he can handle the interior. Oh, There's a lot of things fit. like that. Yeah, it's about fit too. That's always that's always important and imperative. But he is a talented player. He could go in the first round very easily. And I, there's going to be a lot of teams that come to see him. You know, every every NFL team should come see Kalaja Kansi at least test out. And obviously, the intrigue with him is: can he do it again? Right? Can he put up the same or similar numbers that he impressed with at the combine, running the fastest forty for a defensive tackle since Aaron Donald? You know, since what it was 2006, I think it was. Yeah. So Kalaja is going to be the headliner in all this, and then you know. You look at Hava Baldonado, who's got just freakish intangibles, right? You look at him, he's an athlete. Yeah. And and I'm curious to see what teams look at him as a defensive end. You know, Servasier Dennis, smart linebackers and smart centers, I've heard it, can play forever. Smart linebackers, smart centers always have a spot because smart centers know how to not just block, you know, playing on the offense, but they can play special teams. Servasier Dennis, to me, is not only a smart linebacker, he's also a really damn good special teams player. Yeah, Some team is going to want him for something as a utility player on the defensive side of the ball. And then, you know, thinking about like mock drafts and speaking of all that, like where do Eric Hallett and Brandon Hill, we talked about Javon McIntyre, you know, earlier in the show at defensive back, like where do these two DBs check in? How does Israel Abanacanda test out? Because let's be frank, you know, didn't play in the Sun Bowl, you know, had was a little bit dinged up at points last year, obviously won the ACC rushing title. But the way that running backs are valued now, like Bijan Robinson's going to go in the first round out of Texas. But the way that running backs are valued and drafted nowadays, you're not going to see Izzy come off until day two, day three. When's that going to be? So where does he test out in comparison to not just the combine? But also to, you know, some of the rest of the running backs doing pro days across America. You know, look at Carter Warren, an offensive line. He sat out all year with a knee injury. Marcus Miner, who I think has at minimum practice squad potential. Like there are players not besides Kalijah and Haba, in my mind, who are the top two that are going to be picked off the board via pit. 
that I think have serious NFL potential one reason or another. So it'll be a good pro day. There's going to be a lot of teams there. I would hope all 32 are there, but you know, you're going to see a ton of them. And obviously, you know, this is exciting just based on the concept of like, this is the final home stretch towards the draft. And before you know it, you know, we'll be at April 28th. We're, we're a month and a few days away from it. So it's exciting, man. We'll see what happens. It's going to be fun. It's going to be Wednesday at 1030 a.m. over on the south side. It's obviously close to the public, but, you know, I'll be there for everything, taking notes, tabbing charts and all that fun stuff. So well, that's good stuff, man. I'm excited to, to see what you write up about it. Um, what does it do for a program like Pitt when you when you can put on a pro day and have 13 legitimate contestants in that contest? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that that's. That speaks well for the team, really. Well, when you're in Pitt's position, you're a power five program. You know, you hope that you have a good number of players that come in and out every year that are able to at least test out for it. Like, okay, looking at some of the players that are involved here, and this is no disrespect meant to these players, but like Destalyn Alexander, for a perfect example, class human off the field all world human off the field, but does he have NFL potential? Owen Drexel class human off the field. Awesome center for Pitt for four or five years. How does he test out to the NFL? Jared Wayne was the leader of the receivers room was a huge part of this offense for years. How does he test out for the NFL? Tyler Wiltz, who played FCS football for four years, came here, had a really good year last year. How does he test out? So like even from the players that might not have draft stock per se to sell, this program still has really good players to market and sell. You know, look at the Sun Bowl run last year and and look at the ACC championship run from a couple of years ago. Like a good number of these players, Tyler Wiltz probably excluded because he just transferred in. But all these other players, these 12 players had a role in that. Like this program has winning to sell. Even though like people might look at nine and four as a quote unquote disappointment, like nine and four is still something to sell. Having a Damar Hamlin and a Damari Mathis and a Jordan Whitehead and a Kenny Pickett. And I could keep going a Jimmy Morrissey, like all these players, Weaver, like all these players that have recently gotten drafted and developed into the NFL and are, by the way, pretty good players. O'Neal, Brian O'Neal, like are pretty good players in the NFL. That's a selling point. Like this is a this is an attractive this is an attractive thing. And it's an attraction for this pro day. This pro day is an attraction that takes place. So it's great for the program. It's great for the ACC by the way. Because look at like if you want to play defensive line in the NFL or if you want to play cornerback in the NFL, it's a great place to come do it. So just in this pro day alone Deslin Alexander, you look at Hama Baldonado, you look at Eric Hallett, Brandon Hill, that's four. Kalijah Cansey, that's five. That's five out of the 13 right there that either play D-line or, or DB that are testing out of this pro day. So it's, it's just like a culmination of a lot of things, obviously. And it, it starts with Pat Narduzzi and his ability to scout and develop some of these three-star talents. Not a, not a lot of these guys. In fact, I don't know if any of these guys were four stars. I'd have to go back and check. But 
I don't think any of these guys were four stars that are testing out for pro day, but that's Not just, that I the, recall. No. But that's just Pat Narduzzi and the way that his program works. It's also been what he could get, you know, for a while there. I, I do think that we're going to see some of that increase in, in certain areas here um, as they grow reputation, you know, especially they start pumping out, you know, you put out two defensive tackles like Aaron Donald and, Kalaja Kansi and you know pretty pretty recent succession that speaks pretty well to what you can do with that position and you might have some four-star recruits looking at Pitt you know so I, I just think this stuff all in all it's been a really good ball rolling down a hill scenario for the for Pitt they really are picking up steam in a lot of athletics circles and this pro day is just a continuation of that. I'm super excited that there's this many players involved. Speaking of picking up steam with athletics, I have no update on the women's basketball so, uh, search job for new head coach. And I guess, funny enough, we saw Heather like at uh, the NCAA tournament and I completely did not ask the question. <laughs> so that's my bad over an update on the search because, you know, there is still a women's basketball coaching search going on. You know, we're fully into the spring sports schedule now. Baseball's going on, and I'll be checking them out here pretty soon, hopefully. So, um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to football, like, this program has had relatively good success in the Narduzzi era. Like, let's let's not forget that. It's hard to win in Division One college football. It really is. Yeah. It, and when Clemson was so dominant for however many years it was, and now you see teams like North Carolina with Drake May rising up. Florida State's expected to be really good this year. So, it's going to be a fun year in the ACC, but with what Pitt was able to do last year, you know, just looking at that season, nine and four, winning the Sun Bowl, beating UCLA, um, earning some some wins over ranked teams. This is this is really a good thing that you have as many players testing out, and then the potential for these players to get drafted too is there. So we'll see what happens. Pro Day is going to be fun, no doubt. Good stuff, man. And Corey, uh, great job covering. Uh, NCAA basketball. I, I wish that it had gone on a little bit longer, but you know, the tournament itself is still fun. So let's wrap that up next week. I'm sure we'll be talking about that. Um, until then, I don't got anything else. If you don't got anything else, I'm all good, sir. H2P, yeah. hey, as they say, huh? H2P.